welcome back to Getting to the Top, where I interview transformational leaders about their leadership journey in hopes that we can inspire you to either enhance your leadership journey or, or encourage you to pursue leadership on your own. Today, I have the great honor of interviewing Dr. Shanley Hazel. She's made a concerted effort to combine her passion for philanthropy and her purpose, which is dentistry, to serve masses in the UK and Trinidad and Tobago. She's a University of Bristol and certified by the Royal College of Surgeons in Edinburgh. And she's the founder of and director of Smiling Dental. And she leads an all-female team of dental surgeons and highly qualified supporting staff who are committed to development and executing using cutting edge technology in dentistry. She is the first female dentist to be an official Colgate ambassador and you will see her throughout various islands in the Caribbean in this role. Welcome, Dr. Shenley Hazel. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful to have you. So I'm gonna declare my hand a little bit, something that I, there are a lot of things about this podcast that I never say, but are nonetheless true. And one of the things is that I, I focus more on uh, people in corporate because I want to highlight the lack of diversity in corporate. Right. So while I've interviewed a few entrepreneurs, it has always been, uh, I've interviewed this entrepreneur because I feel like they can support and help create more diversity in corporate. So different leaders who I think are either um, coaching uh, leaders in corporate or supporting leaders in corporate through their work. But I was on Instagram one day and I read this phenomenal story about this woman who is this other woman's daughter and is committed to just hard work and just did all of these crazy jobs because she just had this desire to become this woman at the top. And this woman is this woman. And I said, I have, people have to hear this story. So I'm yeah. gonna ask you to retell that story for me about you as a little girl and how you decided that you wanted to pursue leadership. Okay, so um, thank you so much for that introduction, firstly, and it is such an honor to be on this podcast. It's so inspiring. I've listened to quite a few of them. I've listened to so many of the initial ones as well, and actually seeing and hearing other stories. It's so inspirational. You have no idea. So thank you so much. It's a huge honor to be part of this. Um, so my story. So I grew up in uh, Trinidad until the age of 11, going on 12. And then I moved to the UK to live with my mom, who'd always lived there. And she was a single parent. And at the time, she couldn't send me just like that to a state school. She had mm. to send me to a private school. So we had to do lots of like entrance exams and ended up going to a very prestigious school called James Allen Girls School in London, in Dulwich in London. And I think seeing her sacrifice a lot. So she was a single parent, as I said, and she worked at the time as an NHS midwife. Mm -hmm. And she was in that in that same corporate system. Right. And a lot of the time she's she had to work extra shifts. Sometimes she would work a private job doing nursing as well, as well as doing her day job and going on call and working incredibly hard to afford to send me to a private school. So looking at her growing up, seeing all those sacrifices, 
it seriously set the tone for me for hard work and even you know there are times at school where I'm like waiting for her to come and get me and I'm like okay eventually I was just like you know what mommy I can travel so I actually started to take the overhead the national rail so the train had train we didn't have to where we lived um so taking the trains and the buses and you know being independent from a very young age in London and yeah just seeing seeing all that sacrifice and and then it forcing me to become independent actually set the tone for my working career yes yeah. so I was saying that I first started off my first job was in a hardware store mm-hmm. selling paints and um like wood varnishes so yes. I and apparently about- you could still have a, a, a an in-depth conversation about varnish yeah. <laughs> pretty much <laughs> pretty much and also the different types of varnishes you can have for different uh state different woods and different stains as well yeah so yeah it's it's one of those things that I really got really randomly really into because it was just the environment so that would be like my weekend job and then on holidays I used to love holidays because then I could work extra and make more money mm-hmm. And then after that, I worked in um, a sneaker shop called First. It doesn't no longer exist. They used to call First Sports. It was like the rival of JD Sports. So it was based on a lot of hard work. So there were quotas. We had to sell a certain amount of sneakers um, within a certain day, within a certain time as a team. And obviously, like, I think that's where I started to get super competitive with, with things. So I always wanted to sell in more sneakers. And every um, every Saturday, we used to have a little competition going on. So there was that. And then I worked. So actually, all through university, I worked um, in a supermarket. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but seems yeah. real. I yes, worked in they're so I worked as a sponsor. They, they, they are not a sponsor, but they're not, not a sponsor. <laughs> Okay. Um, so yeah, I worked in Sainsbury's all the way through university. And like, I used to see my friends shopping like, hey. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. I really, I actually enjoyed having a job. Like I loved having a way that I can earn and essentially do what I wanted. So I felt like a lot of freedom that way as well. Yeah. And I also look forward to the holidays um, for that specific reason so again like always I think I inherited that from my mom working super hard always like being in control of and independent of of what you know and I think one of the things you said was that seeing her work hard made you so determined because you understood the sacrifice that it took for you you know so you didn't take any of those things for granted And so you were quite ambitious from very early as well. Very, very young. Exactly. And also the business as well. So a lot of my friends had um, businesses or their family's businesses Mm -hmm. and seeing what freedom they had from that. That was just like, I knew one day that I would do it. I didn't know when, um, but I knew that's something that I always wanted to do for sure. Yeah. Good. So then, so then you, you're now deciding on your career. So what was the first thing that you thought you would do as like your, your grown up job? Um, so I guess before university, when I was growing up, I knew that I wanted to do a service job. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to help people and to serve people because again, seeing my mom, so my mom worked in the national health service in Trinidad. 
And she kind of worked her way up from midwife to be a health visitor, then a community. She worked in public health. Right. And then she did a lot of her further education and her master's in public health. So lots of things like immunization, um, research-based projects. And um, I guess just seeing her in the NHS system made me think, okay, I need to do something with service where you're actually making a difference, right? right. So I knew that I didn't want to, to be a doctor because that was, I guess it seemed really intense in terms of work hours. Mm-hmm. And when I was looking, actually choosing a university degree, I was just looking to see, you know, which which was the um, university degree that would guarantee that I would get a job at the end because there are lots of stories back then right. where it was like you you go through university and you come out and you don't have a job. And that would have been like my nightmare, right? Yes. So, <laughs> all of this work on sacrifice. So I was just like, I want to I choose something where I can be guaranteed to come out and be working. Right. So that's why I stumbled on dentistry. It was definitely not something that I was a lifelong dream for me at all. I really? think. Yeah. And then when I started doing it, I was just like, oh my goodness, there's lots of blood. (laughs) 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 And I was, I was just not prepared. And actually something that a lot of people don't know is during dental school, I was kind of known as the person to dodge surgery because I just, it took me a long time to be comfortable with it. So it was, you know, we have to go on to oral surgery clinic and I would just be like, mm, not feeling well today. Like, so <laughs> it took me a long time. And then when I eventually faced it, I would like faint during oh my I, would, God. I would be like, yeah, so I had to train my brain and that yeah. kind of strength was like a, whole, a huge journey and a huge obstacle to overcome during dental school to actually be comfortable with taking out a tooth, which was, we had a quota, we had a requirement in order for us to graduate, we had to do this. So wow. in the end, I ended up being okay with it. I think I managed to negotiate that I I work extra. So on our afternoons, I would go actually scrub in to the, or the extraction clinic, which was yeah. uh, the GA clinic. And essentially face my my fears and as well so <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you something that most people don't know about me either so I was fantastic at biology in high school and I loved you know love biology still to this day yeah. but I am also quite squeamish and so <laughs> yeah. in, in undergrad I actually was the first non-biology major to win the biology award and so my my professor was a retired doctor and he's like you should become a doctor I said if only I want to vomit on people because that's what's (laughs) gonna happen yeah I will see the first something grows and I will throw up on somebody I I was like that (laughs) (laughs) I was like that so I was just like how am I gonna do this and it was like my own personal battle that I had to get over and a little bit of the story that I'm not disclosing but I used to faint. So the patient would be in the chair. I'm taking out their tooth. Next thing you know, I'm in the chair and everybody's looking at me and trying to revive me. And I'm like, oh my God, I did it again. <laughs> so oh no. that, yeah, that. Did that ever happen professionally once you became, no. oh, thank God. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. I think by then I was, so this was, I'm talking like in my third and fourth year of dental okay. school. 
in my fourth to fifth year that's when I kind of grew up because I was just like, like okay yeah I am not I'm not spending longer than I need to in dancing school <laughs> I have to graduate so I think it's something that I I always knew that I had to do and it was good for me in terms of a life lesson because fear is one of the things that uh, that I it feels like has always kind of controlled my yes. decisions with certain things and even though any type of of um thing that we choose to do any kind of obstacle always fair rules oh right? my gosh yes that's such a good oh and you know I hadn't even planned to talk to you about fear but I think fear is such a big part of how we make decisions and uh, Goldalie Bruce who used to be on television is now with the IDB doing phenomenally uh, she yeah. did a TED talk that I think is absolutely tremendous. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It talks, about, it. it talks about the opposite of, of love isn't hate, it's fear. Yeah, yeah. And listen to me, you, you know, get a box of tissue yeah. and, you know, put on like a warm sweater because you're going to be goosebumpy all over and me. sit and watch that TED talk. Because, definitely check out for sure. and, and she takes you through some very personal experiences where, you know, the options were love or fear. And she picked fear and she realized it isn't about, it isn't hate. It is our, our being afraid of how people will perceive us yeah, that, sure. that keeps us back. And I think I'm, I'm absolutely hundred percent the same way. I mean, I yeah. ran, I joined a running club because I couldn't run a mile and I'm like, I can't not be able to run a mile. So yeah. I'm going to have to like train for a marathon, obviously, because that's yeah. the only option to kind of get completely over that. And um, yeah. I'm also really frightened in open water. So obviously I need to get Patty certification because I cannot have that fear. And so I yeah. think I approach fear in the same way. Like I have to, I have to get like and far that, on the other side of it. Thing. Like you're faced with that choice and that decision is so powerful. Like the decision to actually say, okay, I, I cannot be afraid of this. You can't be, you can't be. And also just recognizing that this is a decision that you made and actually going for it is is part of the whole um, process. And it feels so good after you. Yeah, it's empowering. You feel so strong because you realize, Correct. listen, there isn't anything that I'm like, you know, I should be afraid of. Absolutely. Once you give into the fear, you're allowing something else to control you. Correct. And actually, it's interesting that we're talking about this now because I was thinking, you know, one of the things that kind of stopped me from because I saw a lot of my friends open their own clinics in the UK and it seemed just so much more daunting over there for me to do that as the person that I was and you know I was so good at working hard like I I know how to work hard like I know how to give them my all it's something that I've done all the time yeah so the actual dentistry and the long hours and the the keep going keep going it's it's easy for me right but what is what threw me into uh, a different like what was what was essentially was a curveball was actually when I had to become a leader because I was like okay I want my own clinic I have my own clinic but now I have to manage personalities and yeah. manage people from all walks of life and try to get the best out of them yeah. when sometimes it is that you know they don't even see what I see in them yeah. like they don't even see the vision that I have for them yeah. and to try and get them to have that confidence and to have that mindset is is incredible it's it it's a journey as well because you know I I don't want to lead in the way that that authoritarian way that is sure. traditional you know that is okay I'm managing you listen to me do what right. I say and I don't 
I don't that's like not how to inspire people. Yeah. Exactly. And that doesn't feel authentic to you, right? It doesn't feel authentic at all. And in a way, like it, it's been a whole, you know, I've made some mistakes. Like sometimes I'm like, okay, this is what I want. You know, my my um my expectations are so high because I'm just like, yes, it's gonna happen. And actually going through lots of learning processes when things don't always go the way that I plan has has helped me kind of formulate exactly how I strategize things, exactly how I approach um, problems, you know. So what what kind of leader are you? How would you describe yourself as a leader? Um, How would I describe myself? I think I... Or is it fair to ask you? How would your team... Yeah. How would your team describe you as a leader? I think I'm always changing. I think I... I'm always evolving. So I I always have to kind of recalibrate because... You know, sometimes I I hit I have a mindset where I, I like to hit things head on and I'm very perseverant. Like I I don't like to hear no. Right. I think there's a way. I'm very optimistic. And so a lot of the times my goals aren't always realistic. Mm. And so when I realize that I'm like, hmm, <laughs> what what did I do wrong? And part of it is I always like like to take responsibility when things don't go around because Good. I'm like, hold on a second, whose fault is this? <laughs> <laughs> so going back to the table and, you know, admitting that, okay, this probably wasn't the best way to do it. Let's try again. And yeah. I am for trying again and trying again and trying again. Because this, I, as I said, I tell everyone as well, this is not, this is the first time I'm doing something like this. And yeah. I always ask for feedback. So that constant communicative um rule where I I kind of need that like that's something that is essential so if something is not wrong anybody who's coming in through the door I'm like I want to know yeah you might have a better idea as to how to solve this problem right I do I of course I think my idea is great but of course right might be another way and for me the outcome is what's the most important thing so Many times, they, they, I have my strengths. I know what my strengths are. I'm very good with dentistry. But in terms of getting our team to all be, um, you know, focused on achieving, sometimes that involves, it's just like, as I say, like it's like a recipe. You all have, you have to add like a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And sometimes it is that we need to start over. Yeah. <laughs> because we want, we want it to be, and it's that repetitive, um, well, the consistent uh, ability to change and to keep, you know, recalibrating is what I say, will yeah. kind of keep us going. Because I think for me, like I always, I read a lot, I listen to a lot of podcasts, I'm always reading what the latest thing is. Um, and you're big on innovation. But it must have been scary. <laughs> I mean, I know you were saying like it's scary. It was scary for you to contemplate opening a clinic in in the UK. But to think yes. about what you've built here, I mean, that has to be like daunting as well. Like, would you Very... look back on it now and you're like, oh my goodness, this was, this was huge. This was well, huge. Actually, I've built no, this I'm... big recognizable practice that is absolutely renowned. And I am the face of, of Colgate everywhere. Yes. You know, it's just like, I don't, I don't leave my house and if I go more than five miles from my house, I see your face somewhere on something. Yeah. yeah. So, so it has to be just thinking about, you know, where you started and, and the journey you were on Correct. and, and growing into this space. Like, even if you weren't scared in the moment doing it, 
looking back on it now, you must feel like, oh my goodness, was I out of my mind? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's strange, right? Because I always used to say, I'm not that type of person to own my own clinic, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I always wanted to be a business person, but I was just like, owning your own clinic, that is, that's huge. And I'd see my friends do it. And I think it's that same fear, like that fear of failure, that fear that you're going to do something and what if it fails? Oh my God. And the cost of the equipment. And and I mean, and you do everything like completely cutting edge. You're like, you know. I try, I try. (laughs) I try. Um, and you know, the thing and is like, yeah, the first time I got this like 3D model of the inside of my mouth was at yes. your clinic. And yes. I was just like, I didn't even know that was a thing that could happen. Yes, so exactly. yeah. And you know, again, the cost of the equipment and just, just being willing to be at the front because, you know, you could easily say, well, you know what, let's let somebody else introduce that and then we'll see how it goes. But yeah. being willing to be out front, that has to be daunting as well sometimes I wonder is it that that you're young enough to be fearless because you don't know that I'm things- definitely not I, I try to be fearless yes but there is still a lot of fear there because again it's new it's different it may not work the uptake yeah. may not happen the way that I wanted to but you know I try anyway and yeah I am very blessed in that I work with some incredible women who are committed and yeah, as with any team, there's always challenges, always. But I think keeping a positive ma- mindset and also recalibrating. So, okay, if something doesn't work out, let's see how let's what happened. Yeah, let's try it again. And yeah, that I feel like that formula has always helped for me. I always have an, a new idea, or I have like a list of ideas. I'm just like, when should I introduce this? Because like, because <laughs> it it can get. I think a little bit overwhelming because yeah. I just want, I just want so much. Um, I just want so much success with how we are doing things and yeah. to just try and change the game a little bit to try and yeah. change people's perception. To raise the level of service, certainly. To raise the level of service as well. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, but I want to ask, I want to ask you something else. Now I'm going to lead this question because should I lead this question or should I just no, ask no, you do, the it. do it. Go for it. Go for it. So, you know, a lot of people say, you know, talk about the fact that women don't work well together. And yeah. personally, and I talk over and over about the fact that that is an absolute myth it, in my experience. I have led teams of women. I have been parts of teams of women. I've led multiple teams of, of only women. And there are no more struggles in a team of women than a team of men or a team mixed with men and women. But I think that there is this desire to have us fight over little pieces versus succeed all together because I think that I think we're perceived as dangerous once we (laughs) once we collaborate once we conspire together and so you lead a team of 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 only women and what has that experience been like so it's been magic actually (laughs) I say that because it's there's so many components that make us who we are. And again, mm. it's evolution, right? So where we were last year is not where we are now. And I truly believe every single person has something magical to give. There's some people in my team that are hilarious. <laughs> like 
sometimes they have me I'm on a virtual console with a patient and I'm laughing and I'm just like that's hilarious <laughs> so I, as I said like everybody has their little bit of spice to put in yeah. and I really appreciate that about you know ev- everyone comes from all walks of life everybody has had to struggle in some way everybody's yeah. going through some kind of battle and I think accepting you know individuals like you know, this is part of their journey. This is part of their story. Yeah. They're going to be maybe 20 years down the line talking about what what their experience is, you know, working with our team. Yeah. And one of the things that I always, so one of the other things too is that my mom actually was a um, a manager, an NHS manager. So I got a lot of these little tidbits from her. She does oh, help good. me a lot. Good. <laughs> um, but yeah, one of the things to realize is that, you know, it's to also provide an experience for, we spend so much time together. Yeah. So I try as much as I can to try and create that culture and that environment where it it can nurture that, you know, those ideas. Because yes, I know my business. Yes, I have lots of ideas, but they sometimes have even better ideas than I do. And of course. I need to make sure that we can we can do that because that I think that's our magic at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I think but it's great. But in terms of, it's weird. So it's not the first time I've had the question. Um, of course, there are going to be times when, because it's almost like a sisterhood, right? There are going to yeah. be times where we, we don't see eye to eye on something. Of course. We might have a bad day or something might be going going on at home that affecting, you know, what we're doing that day. But, but that happens on every chance. team. Exactly. exactly. And I think, just recognizing that and as long as as you know people are willing to move on and to move forward that that's all I'm concerned about to be honest yeah no I think that's really really good and so you know it's it's so important that we we sort of focus on you know being being positive being motivated being willing to see things in others that they may not necessarily even see in themselves and yeah. being willing to take them on that journey, pushing yourself beyond what you think you can get done and, and you know, seeing a bigger picture and being willing to sort of fail forward and say, let's Correct. try again, let's wheel and turn again. And I loved when you were talking about, you know, you're going to believe in your own ideas. I think I have to say that to my team all the time. Anybody who joins my team, I have to say, listen, I am going to feel very strongly about what I think is the right thing to do. I wouldn't yeah. be a leader if I didn't, but yeah. that does not mean that I, I have all the answers or Correct. that my answer is the right one. But Correct. you cannot be afraid of confronting me if you disagree. You have to be willing, but you can't sort of disagree on a whim. Disagree yeah. and come with some information and say, well, listen, I appreciate this is what you want to do, but that's but wrong. And I respect you more if you're willing to kind of challenge me. Absolutely. But I also understand I'm going to feel strongly about my position. Let's talk right. it through. But you can't be afraid of me. And that's the most important thing, right? That communication, that discussion. Yeah, yeah. That's no, we we have we we talk about ground rules, you know. So like this is our ground rules are, you know, there is no staying in your lane. You have to, if you see something wrong in in somebody else's area, you have right. to point it out. I mean, Hello. we have to look out for each other. Everybody okay. comes with a different experience, and that experience is really valuable across the entire organization. Yeah, and that's absolutely. why we need diversity because somebody else's lived experience is going to help them to see something in a different way. Exactly. Yeah, it's different lenses, literally. Yes, yes, yes. True, and even like I've had sometimes where I mean, 
I spend most of my adult life in the UK, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm still very much like, I still feel at times a lot more British and I do feel Trini. Okay. And so I feel a little bit like an outsider when I'm trying to understand certain things. Cause I know I'm like, Hey, help me understand. What does this mean? Or right. what is the situation? And there's some things that I listen to, maybe some podcasts or some ideas that I might get. And I'm like, will this work in Trinidad? Will this work with our culture? Because things are very culture specific. Like if you yes. look at if you listen to certain strategies or if you listen to certain um, ideas that we should introduce, it's very culture specific. And yes. even in the UK, things that work in the US don't really work in the UK, vice yeah. versa, and in yeah. the Caribbean culture. So it, there's a lot of, as I said, like recalibration, there's a lot of, um learning that I've had to do myself and sometimes it is the you know I realize that you know this this wouldn't work because the message would be lost somehow or it just it won't work because people people are just not gonna take me on (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's 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 a huge learning process it's a great journey I I'm not afraid to laugh at myself. I'm not afraid. I don't think I take myself too seriously. And I think there is a pressure to succeed and to be excellent, right? Um, But I don't, if it doesn't go to plan, it's not the end of the world. There's always a second chance, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love (laughs) that. If it doesn't go to plan, there's always a second chance. Yeah. I absolutely think that what a wonderful way a wonderful note to end on. Thank you so much, Dr. Hazel. I really, really appreciate it. I always enjoy talking to you and seeing you. I don't see you enough on the tennis courts these Thank days. You. We should play some tennis, right? We should yes. play some tennis. Yes, yes, yes. And so, yes, especially since I'm not winning a lot these days. Oh, no. <laughs> this is when we should play. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh gosh. Oh, no, you're really amazing you. at tennis. You're so good. I really am not. You are. I really you had a good very day. Humble as well. You're very humble. <laughs> I'm not. But really, really great to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us. And so I hope you learned something. I hope you I hope you understand that you know fear may be keeping you back from what you're doing. And it's always good to just be open and humble and willing to engage people in all walks of life, why diversity is so important in all of our organizations mm-hmm. and especially in our decision-making processes and that, you know, just be willing to start over if you make a mistake. I think that's, that, that was one of my big takeaways from this conversation, just being willing to start over and to surpass your fears. Thank you so much for joining us on Getting to the Top. If you haven't already, please subscribe and like and comment and make recommendations. We look forward to seeing you on the next one. Thank you.